Welcome to How's Your ePresence on Business Radio X. ePresence manages social media for professionals who desire to enhance and strengthen their personal e-brands. I'm Mark Galvin, and we're coming to you live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. If you'd like to join today's conversation since we're on a live broadcast here and have a question, you can live tweet me right at my handle for Mark Galvin at ePresenceMG. So that's ePresenceMG for Mark Galvin. So join the show. Today, we have a great guest. I'd like to welcome Mr. Spencer Thomas. Spencer, welcome. Thank you, Mark. Glad you're here. Spencer is with the Canon Financial Institute. Canon is a company that's been around for 50 years, and they've developed, designed, and executed performance improvement programs. These programs serve to support financial institutions, their staff, and the clients and communities they serve. They have highly skilled instructors that are gifted, trans, that gifted at translating and turning complex complexity into practical knowledge. And it's so complex, I can't even read that sentence correctly. Their rigorous course offerings are a real point of pride for those who have been through them. Spencer serves as a member of Canon's Enterprise Solutions team, and he is responsible for leading the development of client relationships. His decades of experience in the financial services and uh, field and Canon's resources allow him to create partnerships with his clients through growth-driven, strategy-planned, and superior engagement experiences. Spencer, welcome. That was a lot to say, and I hope I really did a good job of summarizing what Canon did. How, how did I do? Did, did, you did it, perfect. Ah, thank God. Well, uh, Spencer and I have had a lot of conversations about social media over the days and, and weeks of uh, before we've sat down today. And what we're going to do is follow the same format that we have in the past. We're going to talk a little bit about social media in general for a few minutes. And then we're going to shift over and we're really going to put the screws on to Spencer to find out how social media impacts what he does over there at Canon. So are you ready for this, Spencer? Are you ready, good to go? Ready to go. Well, all joking aside, we do have something that has um, a bit of a damper that's happened in the news. And, and I want to talk about this because it is topical. It's, and it's something that I feel like as not only a social media expert, but also a dad, uh, that this, this is uh, something that I wanted to jump into. So with the tragic, tragic events that just occurred in Parkland, Florida, at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, ePresence will continue to pray for those who are injured or killed in that shooting. Our hearts remain heavy about the senseless loss of life. And we're thankful for the countless heroic heroes um, that are those first responders, educators, staff, and students that helped prevent further loss of life in that tragedy. Now, Due to the gravity of that situation in Florida, we do feel it's appropriate and and necessary, quite frankly, to discuss the ways social media can help identify troubled youth that may cause these tragic incidences. So that's what we're going to talk about today for a little bit. And and let's let's kind of tip into this. And one of the things I want to to discuss here, and Spencer, do you you have kids? I do. How old are they? Eight and five. All right. So this is right in your sweet spot. And we've talked a little bit about some of your experiences from high school too. And we'll get into some of that, uh, I hope. First of all, social media is a place where kids are expressing their, hmm, their struggles, their challenges, their relationship challenges, and some of those other things that, that are happening to them in high school. And 
what happens typically is our kids are, or as our high school students or, or uh, uh, children of ours are consuming social media, they don't always know the difference between normal and what's abnormal. Because I remember as a kid, my world that I saw was normal because I didn't have any, any way to compare it to anything. So what we encourage you to do is, number one, have, some, have conversations with your kids, but also we need to watch for warning signs that our kids may be going through or maybe their friends and connections may be going through. Now, how do you do that with social media? You got to watch. All right, we need to stay connected. And one of the things that, we'll, that we've got to do is make sure you are connected with your, your kids on social media, require that they are friends with you uh, and that you can see what they're doing. Now, Spencer, your kids are younger. Yes. Are they on social media? I'm no. assuming no. All right. So what would you do if, let's say one of your kids, uh, let's say they're 15. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think you would do before they started to move on to social media, before they open up an account? Sure. Just like you said, uh, my wife and I have already discussed that any social media that oh are, you have we have yeah oh my gosh you're you're yeah. you're a planner evidently we, yes we, well done we had the children's names picked out before my wife was pregnant so we plan ahead <laughs> um, now in regards to social media there's a few ways to look at it you know it's not only controlling what your children put out there but it's controlling what they have access to sure and as a parent we firmly believe it's your responsibility to control what is put in front of your children as best as possible you know you're not going to be able to filter everything but it's important to, to try, right? And so I agree. what we have decided with our children is one, they're not going to get a cell phone until they are at least 14 years old. Good. And even then it'll be limited. Right. And the way it'll operate, and you know, maybe this is from my military background that, you know, I like to be controlling, but w- all their activities will be tracked. So any social media accounts, any text messages they send, it will be sent to us as well. So we can monitor it. Good. And we tell our children, it's not that we don't trust you. It's that we're out to protect you. It's our job as your parents to protect you and look out for you so that when certain things arise or certain situations happen, they don't have to worry, how do I tell mom and dad about this? Because we'll already know. Good. We'll already have access to it and we'll see it. And, uh, as well as in our home, any computers will be out in the public or out in the open areas of the house. The children are not allowed your, to have computers in their rooms. Your living room is public. Yep, people, room. Move, people move in and out. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a lobby. <laughs> so... Yeah, in open areas in the house. Good. You know, that's another thing with social media. As, as children, they spend a lot of time in their rooms on their laptops. They shut out their parents. They shut out the social interaction right. um, that they get on uh, with their friends. And, and, and they focus it just via social media. And parents struggle knowing what their children are doing um, when that's the case. So, that we've just, so that's why we decided that any computers will be in a public area in the house or in an open area. I think that's brilliant. That's a good idea. So, uh, so I've got kids, a couple in college, as a matter of fact. One is a freshman in high school right now. And, and some of the things that we put in place are, number one, um, we have to have the code for their phone. Now, um, my, my, all my kids went to schools that uh, when they were starting in more or less seventh grade, they were large schools. And it was, my wife would pull onto campus and couldn't find them. So they got a phone more or less in seventh grade so we could track them down. And part of that, there are there is some freedoms that the kids get with that. But one of the things that we required from them is we've got to be able to have a code. We need to know what code you put on your phone. It's required. And the rule is, whether we do it or not, it's another thing, is we can pick up your phone anytime and read the text and, and see what's going on. And they know that. Do we do it every day? No. But they do know that 
we can. And there's something else that's important here. There's a new thing that's coming out, especially, uh, this is a, an Instagram thing. It's, it's called uh, a Finsta. And this is where teenagers are creating fake Instagram accounts. So there's where Finsta comes from. And what they're doing is they're creating these because they can send messages back and forth and mom and dad can't see it. Now, you can, if you have access to your kid's phone, you can see this quickly. Just simply go in, pull up their Instagram account, touch their profile picture in the bottom right-hand corner. At the top of the page, you'll see their, I'm going to call it their Instagram handle. You touch that, it'll show all of the accounts that are loaded on their phone. Now, I'll guarantee you, if they have a Finsta, it's going to show up as soon as you touch that, the handle at the top of Instagram account. Very important to see. Mm-hmm. So there's, a, there's something that's really key here. You've got to communicate with your kids. And I'm going to tell you what, your kids aren't there yet. I'm going to let you know something. There's a thing that happens and it all, it happens at different times for different kids, but they, as a teenager, start to turn a little bit inward. You know, they get that streak. They want to be independent, which is not a bad thing. And they, you know, they kind of lock some parents out. They may not talk to you as much. What we did with our kids is we just simply explained to them that if you don't talk to us, you have less freedom. So they understood they continue to, to have conversations with us and as long as they're sharing what's going on in their lives, they can have more freedom. We, we feel more comfortable. We can also tell that something's changed. And that prompts us to go in and take a look. Now, the other thing is, when your kids get phones, they've got to be able to sleep at night. And if the phone's by their bed, they're not sleeping. So our kids have to put, uh, all, all three of our children had to put their phone in our room at 1030 every night. And so there's a place the phones are put. And if the phones aren't there, then they lose them the next day. So there's a little bit of an incentive to do it. Now, here's what's amazing. These phones sit in our room and we make sure they're silenced, but you, you can pop, you know, the screen will pop on when they get a, a message. Mm-hmm. These kids are getting Snapchats at two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Now, fortunately, they're asleep. So they're sleeping right through this. They get it when they wake up in the morning and their friends all know, that, oh, you've got parents that won't let you have your phone at night, right? But they're sleeping through the night, but there are kids that are spending all night long on Snapchat and Instagram, on these other sites. But the key is you've got to make sure you stay connected. Now, let's see, we've got a few minutes here. I want to talk a little bit about um, what do you do if, um, if you notice that someone that's connected to your children is having those conversations and maybe saying things that are, hmm, that you know are not normal. Well, mm-hmm. What would you do, Spencer? Depending on the child and their age, uh, my first point of contact would likely be their parents. Uh, good call, yeah. Reach out to the parents if I had a rapport with them or not. Um, I would contact them and let them know what their kid's been doing and good. see what the parent says. Very important. Yep. So, and I think an example of this would be if you had a student, and you said you were an ROTC, mm-hmm. and you went through that in, in high school. Yep. And so you guys were dealing with guns, oh, yeah. right? That was, yeah. a, that was part of the culture. We talked about guns all day, every day. All right. So if, if someone is in ROTC and they're talking a lot about guns, you would know whether, okay, this is a little abnormal here, mm-hmm. and this is what would be normal conversation. Yep. I think that's a key thing here. So there's a friend and you're looking at your, your, your children's feed and they see, okay, this looks like a, this doesn't look like a good post. Mm-hmm. You've contacted the parents. And they continue to post these things that look like they want to hurt someone. What next? You notify the school is what I would do next. Good. Having sat as board president for my daughter's school, um, I would want to be notified if there was a student in our school that was doing those things. That's brilliant. Yep. 
So the next thing is still posting. Mm -hmm. School's aware. Do you do anything next? Yeah. At that point, I'd, I'd go to local law enforcement. Good. I, I agree with you. And, mm-hmm. I, and what's interesting, uh, and I did not know, for the record, that Spencer was as, as involved in a, the local school as he is and that he was in ROTC. But I think that your perspective is interesting. There is a graduation to this. You know, things get worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And you do, the thing as parents and as adults, not just parents, there are, as adults, we may see kids that are doing things that are nefarious in nature. What we need to do is continue to follow that because law enforcement, like this, uh, like the guy from Florida, he went onto a YouTube channel and posted something about uh, more or less uh, foreshadowing what happened. There's, there's, there's the message that's dropped once, but mm-hmm. law enforcement doesn't always have the ability to continue to follow someone. I think as adults, we can see that. Yeah. And that's where social media can make a difference. We can see patterns mm-hmm. that law enforcement just doesn't have the bandwidth to follow. Yeah. And that's what I want to encourage mm-hmm. parents, adults, teachers, is that staying connected to social media and monitoring it, especially if you have children, you can, you can make a difference here. Uh, it's, not, it's not the silver bullet. And I'm not saying that this is going to solve all, our, all of our issues here. But I do believe social media can help and as parents, if we if we see patterns, we can communicate those patterns to uh, uh, to parents, to school officials, and then to uh, local law enforcement. Very interesting stuff. So, um, and I'd love to hear any type of feedback that uh, that anyone listening or even on this podcast may have. If you wanted to pass it along to me, hit me on uh, Twitter. I'd love to hear the feedback, and you can hit me at epresencemg. So that's epresencemarkgalvin. Now, Spencer, you're in a business that is, uh, it's financial related. That's a regulated type of environment, you know, and, mm-hmm. and social media can be a challenge at times in that type of environment. You have an interesting perspective. How do you see social media activating and potentially helping people be more effective in, this, in a uh, financial environment? Sure. So <clears throat> in today's world, customers are used to a certain level of experience. Right. And yep. so Amazon, all the e- re- e- retailers are giving this level of service that has just been unprecedented. So as a financial advisor, you know, if your traditional model is you sit in your branch and wait for somebody to come and talk to you, you're going to struggle. So the financial advisors that are having the most success in growing and maintaining and sustaining their business are the ones that are active on social media oh, so as this well. Is, this is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not as young as I used to be. So I remember the days where to, to be a financial advisor, you needed the brick and mortar building, right? And the branding. And as I drove by, I would see it. And I could trust that brand because I got used to it. Or maybe, you know, I remember the old days, the EF Hutton commercials were on, were on, right? So that model doesn't work anymore. And I haven't thought about that. So how are, how are financial advisors finding new clients today? Sure. So being connected with your clients on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or wherever it may be, allows you the opportunity to see what's going on in their lives. So as a child or as a client posts pictures of a new child or a grandparent of their grandchild, as an advisor, you see those as potential opportunities to engage your clients in further discussions about you know, college education plans oh, or life insurance or whatever the need may be, but you wouldn't have known about it had you not been connected with them on social media. But because you are also connected with your clients on social media, their friends and family can see you as well. 
And so as you're posting and making connections and building rapport with your clients, their network can see you as well. And so you're expanding your, your network or your sphere's influence, as it's called, sure. by being actively engaged in social media. Now, the trick oh. with a financial advisor is there's certain things you can and can't do on social media. Wait, wait, wait. Can I go on if I'm a financial advisor and say, if you invest in this vehicle, I'm going to give you 10% return? No, you cannot. Doggone it. <laughs> so there's the whole <laughs> compliance acts aspect right, of it. Right. And so a lot of the rules and regulations that financial advisors have to follow were written in the 30s and 40s when none of this existed, mm. right? So sure. a lot of compliance departments are struggling with, all right, what can our advisors do or not do? What is okay and what's not okay? Well, definitely you can't go out there and say, hey, you know, invest with me and I'm going to pay you 10%. But can you say, hey, you know, what type of debt is good debt, right? Being more educational. Good. That is okay. Yeah. And I see that often. And the, and the best financial advisors that are really growing their, their social media presence are doing things like that. Educating. educating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Focusing absolutely. more on how you can educate your following. Um, that grows a brand. Yes. It, 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 it turns that person into a subject matter expert, which will really makes me want to trust them more. And mm-hmm. I think that's smart. You know, one of the things that we say a lot at ePresence is that social media is social. It has, a, it has a very strong social element to it. And if you're able to activate relationships on that social level, you're going to do better. Uh, as an example, a lot of our clients want to know what type of posts create uh, the most activation, the the most, uh, uh, they get the most likes. And it's the posts that really have a direct impact on that person in a very personal way. Um, as an example, if uh, say I'm a consultant and I help people with contracting and they're travel related. And so I post something on how they can help them, you know, how do you do a better contract, right? Mm-hmm. That's one post. Then the flip side is we could do a post where those travel people are trying to get upgraded first class. I say, next time you travel, this is how you get upgraded first class. Well, the first class posting is going to get more interaction because they're all jazzed about trying to get on first class because it's personal. Yep. This is what you've just described is that you said that financial, uh, pe- financial analysts and advisors are learning to interact with people online. So it's growing that personal connection. And as a result, people trust them more. Mm-hmm. I think it's brilliant. Yep. That's an extremely smart thing to do. So what about LinkedIn? Have you found that LinkedIn is a better place to be versus, say, Facebook or even Twitter? Yeah, I think it really depends on your target market. So for me as a managing consultant, you know, my clients are line of business leaders, CEOs, you know, yeah. C-level executives of financial institutions. Good. So LinkedIn has been perfect. Right. Um, I'll send a connect request, send them a message saying, hey, I'd love to share with you what about Canon's doing. Luckily, we're pretty well known in the industry for what we do. So they're usually open to having a conversation with us. So for a financial advisor, though, it really depends. You know, if they're focusing on, you know, husband and wife type relationships of where, you know, let's say they're in a far more rural community, well, then LinkedIn's probably not their best bet and Facebook may be a better option for them. Sure. So thinking about what's your niche as a financial advisor and where are they more likely to be on social media is the first thing you need to do. Good. So let's say I'm a financial advisor and, and I'm a little, and I need, um, I need to grow my business this year mm-hmm. by, my target is by 15 to 20%. Mm-hmm. Are you suggesting, are you, is, is it possible that I should contact Canon and can you help me come up with some things that I haven't thought about already? Yeah, we have many programs that can help you build your business or build your book of business. There's a whole plethora of workshops that we have that can do just that. It really depends on the individual need of the advisor. 
So we have two sections of Canon. We have our schools division where individuals can go to our schools that we have across the country throughout the year. Right. We have the enterprise group, which, which I work on, where I go in from an enterprise level and we help the entire institution with their needs. So we identify the needs, common needs that the financial advisors or their teams are facing, and then we create learning paths to address those needs. Oh, that's pretty cool. So it almost sounds customized. Yes. You have bigger words than I have. So it's, <laughs> it sounds like I mean, you just come in and you're looking at exactly what the organization needs on enterprise level and, and you're going to help them with that. Yep. Do you talk about social media when you're there? We do a bit. You know, each firm is different in what they can and can't do. Some firms, it's you can't sneeze without permission. Yeah. Other firms, yeah. it's, hey, you know, you have a pretty long leash, but if you mess up, you could lose your job. Right. Sure. So it, each institution is different, but I am finding a common theme is that they're not really sure what they can and can't do. Right. And so that's where we can come in and say, all right, based on what we've seen, and also from our experience of working with the regulators, here's what we believe is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but you need to create your own policies and procedures around that, but we can help you do that. And so, but it's important, I think, for financial institutions to realize that not allowing your advisors or your, your team members to be active on social media is only hurting yourselves. You know, there's a lot of people in the financial world that are very hesitant to get on social media. Have you found that? Oh, I have. Um, you know, especially with the older generation. Right. Um, it, they're just not used to it. It's something new. It's something that they weren't used to doing or have to do. But now they're not just competing with other advisors. They're competing with robo-advisors and all these new technologies that Wait, are right. out there. They're competing with robo-advisors. Yep. What does that mean? So traditionally, when you wanted to go and invest some money, you'd go and speak with an advisor, right? Sure. You'd ask you, he or she would ask you questions, get to know you and understand what your needs are and then create a recommend, recommendation. Well, now financial institutions have certain robo-advisors is what they call where you're just dealing with a computer. It asks you questions, you type in your information. Oh my. And it says, here's what we recommend. Now, the, the pro about that is it's significantly cheaper sure. to work with a robo-advisor. Right. You know, the fees are anywhere from, you know, quarter of a percent to, to lower. You right. know, it really just depends. You know, traditionally working with an advisor, you're paying about 1%. Okay. Um, but where these financial advisors are struggling is how to differentiate what they do compared to what the robo-advisors do. Mm-hmm. And that's also what Canon can help them understand and better tell their branding message. Here's what I do. Here's why I do it. And here's why you should want to work with me. So are these robo-advisors on social media? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I've seen. I don't know. There may be one day that they are. For that's the right. That'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? You know, and that's something that's similar to what we do at ePresence, as a matter of fact. Uh, we work with ePublicists. We have real life. In fact, one of our e-publicists is here in studio with us. Uh, Lanny Farmer's with us. Um, Lanny, take a bow. There's, you know, he's, he's, off, he's off mic here. But uh, we work with individuals who are, as we say, live human beings mm-hmm. that are looking at content, then understand the, uh, the relationship that people must have with their audience. Um, and I, it, I think it's a long time before robo-advisors have the type of artificial intelligence that can interact with somebody on social media. But I think that's really interesting. Uh, and I've heard a lot about the, uh, uh, the way computers are selling and buying stocks, especially with the volatility that I've seen in the market lately. So I, I know that that's certainly a big deal. That's a lot of automation there. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So, um, all right. So here I am. I'm a, uh, I'm a financial analyst and, and I'm ready. I want to do one of these trainings. Where do I go? Sure. Um, you can give me a call. <laughs> I'll help you. Well, there's a start, right? right? Okay, or you good. can go to our website, 
you know, canonfinancial.com. Okay. Um, Google is a great way to see what we've been doing. Right. Um, you know, Can, where are the classes? Website. Am I going to, are they all, it's all over? over the country? So really? East coast, West coast. You know. So do you have offices or do you guys go in and, and work at a hotel or something like sure. that? Sure. Um, it just depends on the location. Okay. So like we have a campus in Notre Dame. Um, that we team with the colleges up there. Wow. Um, so e- each location is different. And again, that's a separate side of the house that I don't work on, so I don't have them all memorized. Uh, but, well, I'm, you know, I'm really upset about that, I by know. the way. Uh, <laughs> East coast, west coast, north, south, um, but all over. Essentially, if, if I am, especially what if I have an, an, and I'm a leader of an organization, I need mm-hmm. this. So you could come into my firm and, and run some training right there on the firm, I'm guessing. Yes. Okay, we can come good. on site. We do that. The majority of what we do is on site. It is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very interesting. So I, I'm fascinated by this because I did not know there was an organization like yours out there. I come from the hospitality side and we used to have people come in and train us on a number of things. Sales was one of them. This, and what you do is it's sales-like, mm-hmm. except it's very specific to that industry. So I think that's, that is, that's fantastic. So here you are. You're a dad. You're a financial guy. You live in Athens. Is it, are uh, you in Brazelton. Athens? You're in Brazelton. Yep. Who's the mayor of Brazelton? Doesn't somebody own Brazelton that's famous? Uh, that I happen? believe it was, was it Kim Bassinger? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. It, she sold it. She, she went bankrupt. It went bankrupt. It was a, a bunch of people that bought it together. It kind of okay. fell through. I All did right. a little bit of research when I, we first moved. We're fairly new to the area. All right. Moved well, good. in January of last year. And, and where'd you come from? Colorado. Col- so you came from Colorado to Atlanta. Yep. All right. It's because I'm a native of Atlanta. I'm not going to ask you if you like Colorado over Atlanta. Um, but I think Colorado is pretty fantastic. That's a good spot. It's pretty good. But we like the South. Warmer weather. We're not too into the cold. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. See, that was a good endorsement. I didn't even need to ask you for that. that that's good to hear. All right. So... Anything else about social media that we haven't hit that you think is a key thing? If, if I walk in and I said, what, tell me what I don't know about financial investing and being a consultant on, uh, and, and social media, what, what is it that I haven't asked yet? Sure. So in regards to social media, you know, there's only so much you can do, but the key is, is continue doing it, right? Brilliant. So you may be only able to write a post once a week mm-hmm. or once a month, or you can't do anything and then you need to hire a company like yours. Right. Right. And so I understand a lot of the C-level executives that I deal with, they're in meetings all day, every day. The only time that they have spare time, they like to spend it with their families. Um, so with social media, if you're trying to really grow your, your brand and, and who you are, consistency is key. And whether or not you can do that yourself or you need to hire a company like ePresence to do so, it's, that's going to make or break you. Good. So I'm looking at your your profile and uh, on LinkedIn, and I like what you're doing. You do something that I think most people don't realize is valuable. Is you did have a post that uh, that you put out there in January, or you published something on LinkedIn. And for the record, that has a longer shelf life. It's always better to post something that mm-hmm. you're writing and almost like a blog, but mm-hmm. it's that publisher side on. Uh, on LinkedIn, but you are going in and you're liking posts. Mm-hmm. So you're interacting with folks, you're commenting. Does that take you a lot of time? No. And I'd usually do it throughout the day. You know, when I, in between meetings, um, have my cell phone or on my computer, I'll have LinkedIn pulled up in the background. So as I'm doing something else, I may pop over to LinkedIn real quick, like something, make a comment. Um, in relation to the article that you, you're referencing, um, I decided to start a thing or a campaign called Share the Wealth. So I believe a lot of us have a lot of knowledge over the years of experience that we have. Right. And so once a month, I'm going to be writing an article that shares the knowledge that I have. 
Uh, February, I haven't gotten around to it because I'm just getting over getting sick. But uh, next week or the week. It's a tough commitment. It. And it really is. That is a commitment. And uh, for those of you out there that can do that, I do recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the very least, liking posts and making quick comments on posts will activate your account. So you'll show higher in search results. Uh, LinkedIn loves that. Their mm-hmm. algorithm likes that. Uh, so I think that's important. Well, good. Well, Spencer, I am so thrilled that you were here with us today. Uh, quite frankly, I am, um, I, I'm, I learned a lot about the financial side and, and I'm always curious on regulated industries and how social media integrates with those. So I do love that feedback. So tell us, where can people find you? Sure. So there's, you know, the most active social media platform that I'm on is on LinkedIn. And it's www.linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Spencer Edward Thomas. Spencer Edward Thomas. So you never go by Ed, do you? No, but no. people have called me worse. So. You don't look like an Ed. You no. do look like a Spencer. That's a good. Spencer. So Spencer Edward Thomas will find you on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us, for ePresence, you can find us all over the web. Just go and search ePresence. Uh, we'd love for you guys to like us on Facebook or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter just by searching uh, for us as ePresence ME. That is our handle on all of those sites, ePresence ME. And that's very similar to our website. Our website is ePresence.me um, because it's all about you. So thank you today for joining us on ePresence. Uh, don't forget, we broadcast live on the third Thursday of each month at three o'clock. Or just remember the third Thursday at three, my favorite way to describe that. Plus, you can listen to any of our shows by going uh, 24-7 by going to businessradiox.com and select the Gwinnett Studio. And you can find us there on iTunes. Also remember that uh, I've been featured on Lens on Business. This is a business radio show that airs locally in Atlanta on WSB Radio 95.5, Saturdays at 6. And Spencer, I can't believe this. They have been kind enough to feature me as their social media expert. So uh, I'm honored to be there. You can find their past shows and uh, some other interviews on their SoundCloud channel. And that's Lens, L-E-N-Z on business. But of course, Mike looking across uh, one of the producers here. Maybe you guys know Mike because you uh, know Gwinnett Business Radio. We prefer for everybody to come here to listen to me, right? There we go. He's shaking his head. <laughs> He's very happy about that. So for more about ePresence, you can find us again once more at ePresence.me. That's ePresence.me because it's all about you. And then look for us on any social media platform using the handle ePresenceME. So Spencer, thank you for joining us. Thank Glad you, you were me. here. Until next time, I'm Mark Galvin, and this has been How's Your E-Presence on Business Radio X.